Some Man City fan apparently slugged him. Oh, I like Jeremy. Shit, you're old. It was a direct attack at you. Like, you look every bit 30, huh? He'll be killed by a number of men in the dugout. Watch, watch, rumbles on. Pina colada, large one. Yes, coming in hot, football played on paper podcast, season two, episode 13, I'm now told. I'm Sean and I'm joined by Job. How are you, mate? Yeah, it looks so good. Really excited to get into it this week. What a massive week it was seeing the great man back. <laughs> yeah, so we got, we got uh, I think we've got, how long, Barn? We might have two minutes reserved for that, so tighten it up, Job. Tighten it up, all right? Barn, how are you? Yeah, a bit flat after the weekend, mate, but uh, oh, we, we better get into it. Well, we, hey, we got half an hour reserved for that, so we'll get into that. Ozzy, how are you, mate? Yeah, better than uh, Barney, worse than Job, I'd say, so I'll take it. Yeah, all right. Uh, stack show, we've got the weekly happenings, full round of Prem fixtures. Um, we'll touch on our multi. Don't get too excited, listeners, um, and then we're, we're into socials. But yeah, as I said, stack show, so Barney, we better get into weekly happenings or we'll never get this show on the road. All right, let's get it going. So, Alexander Kefren, I believe it is, the president of UEFA, has uh, come out and, and spitting some fire at Florentino Perez. And he's uh, he's come out this week and said, I wouldn't mind it if Madrid, Barca and Juve all left UEFA. Their directors are all incompetent. Florentino Perez said his club can only survive with the Super League. Then he tried to sign Kylian Mbappe for 180 million euros. So, Jobber, I just want to ask you, as Perez's best mate, what do you think of this comment? We took that personally. Um, <laughs> nah, I honestly could not stop laughing. This I thought it was so funny, and it was so true. And you know that, like Florentino Perez doesn't see it like this. He's like, "Oh, we're never going to survive." And he's like, "Oh, actually, we, we're in the market for Mbappe straight away." And then they signed Camavinga like two days later for thirty-seven mil. Things can't be as bad as it sounds. Got to spend money to make money. Economics one hundred and one. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. But there, I think when he says, "Oh, we can't survive unless we get Super v League," he's thinking like, "Oh, we can't survive doing what we're doing right now." Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Recklessly exactly. spending. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, what, what he yeah, exactly, what he considers surviving. Some people think, as you say, reckless spending. So it's like start digging up. It just, but it, it shows how far away they are from like the, even the recognition of that. Right? They haven't even recognised that. Like, oh, hang on, something might be a problem here. They're just like they're full, still in that denial stage, um, where they haven't even worked out that there there is a problem. So yeah, they're just so far detached. I think in the league, they're especially Barcelona and uh, Madrid are always too worried about taking digs at each other. And Te- Tebas, the uh, yeah. the president of the league, they're all constantly every week. There's like new news about oh he said something about him. He's worried about him. Like it, it, and they're so far detached from actually fixing the issues at their club. But it's also there, like there a seek and it's a seek and destroy as well. Like they they don't realize their reckless spending has got them there, but they've also like wrecked La Liga as the product because they haven't dispersed the revenue evenly. So they're like, oh, we've basically sucked this teat dry. Now we need to move on and do it to the next thing. And I'm glad like UEFA sort of pulled them up and they're like, because the the good thing about the Premier League is like the big clubs are rich, but everyone's kind of rich now as well because they've split that wealth around a bit more. Like almost communist. Like not I know that's <laughs> for you, buddy. Oh, yeah. But like like you look at the way that like Real Madrid, Barca and almost Atletico in a sense now have just destroyed La Liga's financial like um situation. And now they're just like, Yeah, we'll just move on to the next thing, don't worry about it. Yeah. I sort of touched on that sort of infighting, I guess you sort of reference Barney. Um did you see Tim Sherwood's comments about Barcelona? 
Oh, this would be Never good. do. I, try, oh, I, make a, I make a beeline to not read them. No, yeah. I, well, I didn't read it. I just have to catch it at the end of a video and he mentions how about Mo Salah like talking about going to another club or something and he's like, where would he want to go? Barcelona, Real Madrid. He's like, Barcelona would finish mid-table in the Premier League and the comment section on that video was going off chops. People defending Barcelona saying, no, nah, they'd finish like sixth or seventh and then people jumping <laughs> in. That's technically mid-table. It was hilarious. Four minutes, four minutes in and you've wedged in Mo Salah this week. I knew it had come. <laughs> oh, I just, it's just for context. All right, Ronaldo after 30 seconds. <laughs> but uh, after the um, pandemic and, and all that, like, you know, I've heard that comment um, or that the phrase uh, selective hearing, but like these clubs are just doing like selective spending. So, went around to all the players and said, oh, you know, economic times are tough and stuff. Do you mind taking a pay cut? And then, boom, we put 180 mil on the table for Mbappe. Like, yeah. It just – and I think, like, I, was it Henderson and maybe even Gary Neville were um, champagning, campaigning this um, in England where, where they were like, don't take pay cuts from these clubs. Like, they, they can afford it. They can afford your wages. They offered you the contract. You've got every right to sit there and accept the money, um, because the only thing that's going to happen is that um, your wage cuts are just going to f- um, fund future spending for these clubs. So if if anyone in England took a big pay cut like that, the first thing the club's going to go do is just turn around and just sign someone else. We're probably going to take your spot out of the team. So yeah, that's ex- um, That's actually exactly what happened to Ozil pre-pandemic at Arsenal. They wanted him to take a pay cut and he was like, yeah, okay, I'll take a pay cut, but you tell me where you're going to spend the money and what you're going to do with it and I'll agree to the cut. And, and they yeah. wouldn't wouldn't tell him and so then he did, nah, all right, I'm not taking it. Yeah, which is completely yeah, fair. Fair enough. Completely fair, yeah, right? Exactly. If, he's gonna, if you're going to save exactly. Gunnosaurus, hey, everyone's in for that. If, if you're going um, waste to the, <laughs> waste the money on, uh, on Ben White, then yeah, so be it. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, let's move on to something a bit funner and that was uh, – Dortmund-Leverkusen was a big match over the weekend. They ended up 4-3 with Haaland scoring the winner in injury time. And he, uh, he peeled off to this to the corner and it was actually in front of a bunch of Leverkusen fans and they're all giving him the bird and the and the uh, the prongs and everything they could throw at him, including beers, which Bellingham actually caught one and necked on the field. So he's been hanging out with Declan Rice too long and now he's necking beers on the field. What do, what do we think of this? I thought it was... Thoroughly impressive. Not only two two parts. Not only the th- throwing of the beer. That always fascinates me. That an open vessel travels so far with just slight amount of liquid in it. It's always fascinating <laughs> me the physics of it. The other thing too was this catch. It was he was on Harlan's shoulders, kind of on his back a bit. Yeah. Catches it one handed, chucks it down, and then I think you see that split second. You realize, oh shit, it could be poison or some shit in here, or or maybe it's like a I don't know Corona or something. It spits it out, throws it on the ground, and uh, yeah. But it was, it was a nice little grab and, and swig. Very impressive from young Jude. I can't believe, sorry, in the, like like what twice in two weeks, where people are throwing beers at players. Like I thought, I thought we were past this. Like this seems so nineteen eighties that people are lobbing <laughs> projectiles under the field. still. It's clearly think not it's, expensive enough. That's yeah, like maybe. Maybe. <laughs> not at Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be throwing those brisket burgers on the field. Poor team, there's no way. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, let's look at the next one here, and that's the. England predicted 11 for the 2022 World Cup, and this was done back in 2013 by uh, The Independent. So we're just going to run through this this first 11 they predicted because it's absolutely ridiculous, and only one player actually plays for England anymore. So goalkeeper, Jack Butland. So I don't think that's a bad shout back then for what he was like. That's fine. It's fair, and, and fair, he's been fair in and around squads recently. Yeah. yeah. In the championship, yeah. He's still yeah. relevant. 
He's, sto- he's Stoke third keeper, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Chris Smalling at right back. Job, did he ever play right back for Man U? Like he might have played a handful of games at handful, right back, but he's, he's traditionally yeah. centre back. It's yeah. it's fun, and he's about six four as well. Like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's, yeah, it's it's funny how like they were so lacking for right backs then that they had Chris Smalling, and now they've got too many. That they're like, swimming in right. Yeah, <laughs> Reese James can barely get a game for England. Uh, centre backs were Nathaniel Chaloba and uh, Phil Jones. So. Phil Jones, yeah. not so much. Chalabar, he, that's the one who plays for Chelsea, Chelsey, right? yep. Yeah, it's yeah, quite a worldly Yeah, not yeah. Could happen. Could yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if the World Cup was in uh, probably four or eight years' time, yeah, he's probably in there. <laughs> Might get a clip to Australia. Um, yeah. Left back, Luke Shaw. That's actually a good, good guess. Good shout. Got him. Tick. Lock, yeah. well done. Right midfield, Jordan Ibe, ex-Liverpool star. Where's he playing these days? <laughs> he went to Bournemouth and then I don't think he's there anymore. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I don't know where he's fallen to. Yeah. He Bad is. Uh, he's not doing much these days. Centre midfield partnership of Jack Wilshere and Ross Barkley. So I don't know how they've got Jack in there. Even yeah. in, in 2013, when this was predicted, he was riddled with injuries. So how's he going to run around and play for England in a World Cup final at like 32, 33, um, riddled with all these injuries? <laughs> and punching down burners like they're going out of fashion. Oh, too. yeah. Also, not the best centre midfield pairing either, those two. I don't think 2013 you, Barkley was, probably wasn't the worst shout. Like, I mean, he was still at Villa, I think, so he would have been. Was it not, Villa? Not a lot of cover Everton, there either. Sorry, I, can't, I can't imagine yeah. there's a lot of tracking yeah, back from Wilshire. They needed, Barkley. mate, with Phil, jo- with Phil Jones whipping around the edge. Uh, Phil Jones and Chris Small and getting around the edge. <laughs> Should we play with the holding midfielder? Mm, let's just play with two tens. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Left mid was Wolf Zaha, who doesn't actually play for England anymore. <laughs> Plays for a different country. He's Ivory Coast, I believe. So that was a good one. And uh, up front, Daniel Sturridge, which back then that's a good shout. I think he was still pretty decent back then. Uh, that was pre-Jamaican source range, I believe. Also without a club now, Barney? And yeah, I think he's got then, a few legal cases ongoing. This and yeah. Yeah, family concerned. betting cases, is it? Yeah. yeah. Also before his dog got stolen in that Instagram video too, which was <laughs> oh, like, fuck. Too soon. Dog. Who steals <laughs> my dog? And probably, probably the best pick of the whole 11, <laughs> Chuba Akpom. What a left player. striker. The what manager. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the manager wasn't bad. But, yeah, Chuba Akpom, I, he was at Arsenal, right? Barely yeah. got a game. I yeah. love that England are playing 4-4 four, four, fucking 2 as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chuba Akpom at left striker. And they've won a World Cup doing it, yeah. And <laughs> and the manager, of course, Gary Neville. He wouldn't be it, too far off. He was good at Valencia. Just bad timing for a good yeah. manager. Do you, he would the guy have, he wrote this. The guy who wrote this is like, oh yeah, this is good. He's on his way to Valencia. This is a nice stepping stone here. <laughs> Surely it's up from here. Oh. He he would have been assistant back then, right? Yeah. Not, so yeah, who wrote yeah, the no, article? Was it was it Phil Neville? Phil. <laughs> Surprised Phil no, didn't pick himself. Uh, it was ne- it was Neville Neville who wrote that one. Alrighty. Uh, last one we've got here. I just want to put out a public service announcement, and that is to be careful when eating raw carrots. Because the left back for uh, Heronveen in the Dutch league, Rami Cabe, is out for five weeks after he broke his jaw eating a carrot. Now, Sean, you're one for a raw carrot. What do you think about this? Are you worried? Uh, yeah, you know I love raw food. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit worrying. He's got that glass jaw. So a couple of blokes on this pod got glass jaws too, but I can't see their <laughs> jaw cracking with uh, with a carrot. There was, I can't remember who it was too. There was another really unusual injury in the World Cup where this guy was packing his bag to go to the World Cup. I think he was South American, might have played for Colombia. I think he was a goalkeeper. And he was packing his bag, picked up his aftershave. Aftershave slipped through his fingers, 
dropped on his toe, severed a nerve in his toe, missed the World Cup. I think he remembers. Was Santiago Canizares from Valencia, I think. Was it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, check check my knowledge on that, but I'm pretty sure it was because he was a goalkeeper and obviously smelt like shit. (laughs) (laughs) With crutches. Dodgy toes as well. Alrighty, let's let's move into the games here, and we start off with uh, what was a terrible performance from for me as a Tottenham fan, and that's Crystal Palace three, Tottenham nil. Jobber's eager to get into this one, so I'll let you have the floor for a bit, mate. Barney, this game made me hate football. <laughs> um, the way Tottenham played just made me really not enjoy my early Saturday evening kickoff, and I really look forward to these. They were terrible. Can I, can I just put in, I think what was the most annoying part of this is that Tottenham rarely get an early game for in, in the Premier League. Never it's again. It's like our one chance for the, for the year because we're in the Europe, Europa uh, Conference League and now we've just blown it. Lost 3-0, terrible performance. That's what pissed me off the most. So I suppose there's two things I really wanted to talk about this game. One was the absence of Harry Kane. I think if he'd have played, it could have been... Really different for Spurs. Got him. Um, and I know, I know it'd be tough. The other one was um, the Tanganga red card and the combination oh, of the two tackles. So the first one, I, like if they'd have sent him off for that, you wouldn't have a great argument. Like because it was just so stupid and so forceful that if they'd sent him off, I'd be like, oh, you can't. Well, for really the shoulder do that. charge. And yeah, I I think the first one. Like, like he first... just smashed him. Like he just smashed Zaha ah, with no intention for the ball. Zaha yeah, massively overreacted to that. But yeah, that really pissed me off because Tanganga's fast, right? So Zaha's knocked the ball into the corner and Tanganga can chase him down there. He just didn't need to do it. And the second Lazy. one was just yeah. absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It was rash. It was very rash. Dumb on a yellow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially but, when you just, just got the yellow as well. Yeah. Right in that, front of the referee. He almost tackled the referee. Daft, <laughs> that's <laughs> a daft that. tackle if you're, um, if you're not on a yellow. So especially if you're carrying a yellow, that's a daft, daft challenge. But yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I think he, he could have easily have tracked, tracked back and um and just got goal side of Zaha or kept him um going to the corner because as you say the ball was going in that direction so yeah a little bit lazy on the first one and, just, and I agree with the point on the second one I don't think you can really argue with that definitely a red card daft decision yeah I think um we we uh, Barney and I discussed the scuffle that ensued after the first challenge we thought you know checked him down with the shoulder professional foul definite at least yellow card for that one no no questions about that then Zaha gets up and starts like scrambling and swinging his arms like flailing at him and he, he clips him like a nice like sort of a close uh, sort of open fist forearm right to the upper chest and we were saying if that was a little higher and he clipped his face in any way he would have been like a red card too so oh, um, it was close for so I think I, that was obviously like a very important moment in the game but if we just backtrack a little bit at that stage Crystal Palace were already the better team like they were oh, absolutely yeah, they were the whole, dominating yeah. the midfield and they're not particularly good Sam uh, Crystal, I, I agree completely. Crystal Palace were like the much better side throughout the whole game. And yeah, Tottenham didn't even look like really at any stage of nicking one, even on the counter or anything like that. Like you said, like Harry Kane was anonymous, barely got on the ball. Like his best moments were probably when he was dropping back to like into the midfield to defend because um, he just couldn't get, they couldn't get the ball to him and he just couldn't hold it up. Um, I think Conor Gallagher looked very good in the middle and he's just he was just everywhere. He was picking up the ball deep, driving it forward, and then he was um, uh, cutting off passes and then even like getting into like running off Benteke and stuff like that. Like he was very impressive um, and looks like a real real uh, complete sort of midfielder. But um, yeah, Tottenham were just so far off the pace. I mean, they coming back after the international break with so much disruption and so many players injured um, and then losing Dyer in the first 10 minutes, that just 
completely killed us. As soon as Dyer went down, I think I mentioned to Josh, I'm like, that's really bad from a, we're out of, like, we're low on center backs already. And then also that he's a big leader on the pitch and especially yeah. sorting out that defense. You could see from the second half, like, that defense was just in shambles. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Barn. I think um, Dyer's, like, it was just so early as well. Dyer come off in the in the 12th minute. 10 minute or oh, 12 minute, yeah. So early. Minutes, yeah. Oh, um, and, like, Emerson Royale was already, like, heavily dependent on Dyer, like, telling him exactly what to do. And I think 10 Ganga was as well, like, reliant on on what uh, um, Dyer had to say. But uh, this, this Spurs team, it reminded me of, like, Mourinho's team um, for Spurs where they weren't like weren't that brave going forward um, defensive um, but the only thing that was missing was a win and how nasty <laughs> they were so they had all like the downside of Mourinho's team and, and none of the real upside like yeah just a really poor result for um, for Spurs and you can tell they missed Sun I just think anything linking the the midfield to the forwards was just just missing, which is probably why um, you didn't see a lot of hurricane as well. I think that was um, one of the one of the big things wrong with the team was the midfield having Hoiberg, Winks, and Skip next to each other. Like their first thought is always to look sideways or backwards. Like Skip maybe a few times would get it forward a bit, but no one's really driving it forward in that midfield. And that's what we really like. We're lacking as well. Like, and you'd think with those three, you might be able to control the midfield because they're pretty defensive. They'll cut off passes and stuff, but they couldn't even do that. And then they're obviously not driving the play forward either. And they're so far back off of Harry Kane that yeah. you get the ball into him, and he's so isolated. And they just like two defenders from Crystal Palace would just swarm him and get the ball back so easy. It's disappointing. Yeah, no one running off Kane and barreling forward. Yeah, job. Yeah. So two things I want to add on this game just before we move on was one is um. Odson Edward is only the fourth player in Premier League history to score more than once at a substitute on their debut. Can you guess who the last one was? Uh, don't know. Oh, I'm going to say... Oh, uh, Chikorito. Oh, yeah. It sounds like something you'd do. Yeah. You're not going to count Ronaldo's second debut, are you? No. No. Um, Stan Collin used to do a lot. Is that too far yeah. back? No, it is. Sergio Aguero. And the second one uh, that I just wanted to bring into this conversation was Jose Mourinho had his 1,000th game in charge um, on the weekend. He got his 639th win. So, Congrats, uh, Jose. Hello, Jose. And things haven't improved since you left. <laughs> I just want to also touch on quickly before we get out of here. Um, Joe Roden. Like, first half came on. Yeah. Okay. Second half. Fucking I think hell. he forgot how to de- he forgot how to defend. My God, it was the second goal. I think we were watching, and me and Josh were just like, "How has he been dragged across to the guy who's already being defended by two players and left open?" Edward, who's got so much space. I think the commentators were like, "Oh, he's really got got his feet sort of quickly and lashed at home." And like he had half an hour to take a touch and just yeah. do whatever he wanted with it. They were could- complimenting Edwards. Like quick yeah. feet, I'm like, nah, he could have bloody put the kettle on him and put that in I there. couldn't decide if Roden was, had made a really bad decision or I think it was Emerson Royale was too high up the pitch. Like he was, he was miles away. Yeah, he was. And then but Roden like, just made a really poor decision. <laughs> in that situation, Roden, understand that you can see Emerson way out of position and don't do that. But anyway, it was yeah, a terrible. Yeah, could have covered it. Terrible result for Tottenham in the result itself and the performance was very lackluster. Um, hopefully we get some players back before this Chelsea game or it's going to be a shellacking. Alrighty, let's move on to the battle for the bottom. Arsenal versus Norwich. And uh, unfortunately for Norwich, they won out on this as they lost 1-0 
to a uh, to an Arsenal team, and and I put this one on at the same time as the other midnight games because I just wanted to see how poor the quality was, and I was rewarded because it was terrible. The quality, so the quality, it was like very, very busy first half, like lots of back and forth, but like just at a, such a low level, it was hilarious to watch. <laughs> Patrick Vieira has given you the biggins after the Tottenham game, and now you're like, oh, I'll sit down and watch Arsenal to get back at him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but everything, about, everything about this game was just terrible. Like, and yeah. I think the the only thing that changed it for me was when Arsenal brought on Thomas Partey, and he looked to be like a little bit more industrious and a little bit more um, aggressive than everyone else. And I think that's that's basically how the goal came about because his aggressiveness in the midfield slaps it forward to Saka and then all of a sudden it was just like a really shit goal but at least it got in the back of the net. I think the goal was sort of um, like it's that was the moment that it obviously decided the game but I think the goal was very appropriate for the type of game that it won. Like exactly what I was going to say. Goal, scrappy, sort of scrapped its way in and that splits the two teams and you just think, yeah, that's very reflective of the rest Plus of the match. Also on top of that scrappiness, hat, just double check it with the VAR because it might have even been offside still. <laughs> what were yeah. they checking for? They were checking for like five things. There's just absolute chaos in there. I just couldn't believe Arsenal had scored, I think. Yeah, they make sure it's the red teams that had scored. I think regardless <laughs> oh. of the result for Arsenal, they were so poor still. I still would not be surprised if they actually get relegated. Like, they beat Norwich, but who gives a shit? Like, no, you can't beat anyone else. Not. I want to see them and Palace. It wasn't the statement, wasn't the statement they were looking for at all. Oh, like, yeah. didn't, it, for me, that didn't give any answers or any insight moving forward as to what they're going to produce. I think they're still pretty bad. If Arsenal keep putting in some solid scrappy performances like that, they'll avoid relegation, though. So that's, all, that's always good to note. But I think... <laughs> I think uh, Tommy Asu, the new signing at right back, he looked like he could provide some actual defensive solidity, which is what that team is screaming for. And he got forward pretty well a few times, but like, yeah, he looks pretty industrious back there and, and probably what they need, someone a bit more settled at right back. Um, I think us, they looked a bit better with Ben White back down the back there instead of the other, some of the other centre-back pairings they've, they've had there, which is, which well, is good. Yeah, so uh, Barn, that's what I thought. Where Arsenal did look slightly better, potentially that is a reflection of um, who they were playing. But they did look slightly better at centre back, and I think that's because um, Gabriel came in and played his first game. So I think that's probably going to be their first choice pairing: Gabriel now that he's um, fit and available, and, and Ben White, yeah, now that he's got his sort of feet under the desk a little bit more. So you probably see more of them too, and then um, potentially that's what Arteta is looking to build on. But yeah, a lot of work to do for Arsenal. Uh, I think they'll be happy with the three points, happy with the clean sheet. But yeah, there's a long way to go. And big old uh, AMN was back in the lineup, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Do you think they put him back in just so he'd stop complaining for it to get a transfer on Instagram? I think he's the best man for the role. I don't know they played, why they played he wasn't played a bit center, played a bit yeah. center mid, didn't they? Yeah, I still yeah. think he's I think he's good enough. I thought he's one of the – like at least he – like I don't know it's like sound old school, but at least he has a go. Yeah, um, that's what, all they can need be right seen, now. He can, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, that, like if someone's going to drag you out of there, there'll be a bunch of blokes who are willing to rip in. Um, I think – I honestly think he's one of their better – players all things considered i don't know why they doesn't play more yeah i know it seems weird they don't play him as much as as they um as they do but uh, i think there's a lot when, of lack decisions there at the moment i think when Partey comes in um he was probably gonna lose his spot again so mm. well they just got him in so he'd stop complaining on instagram and then they'll sack him off again for 10 games then when he starts chirping up again bring him back in <laughs> but they the Arsenal way Oh, they're going to have a problem with uh, Smith Rowe as well. I mean, he didn't take that um, coveted number 10 shirt at Arsenal to sit on the bench, so there might have problems there too. Exactly. All righty. Let's move on to what Job has been waiting for this whole Brace time. Yourself. 
get the stopwatch ready, Shawno. We got to we got to cut him off eventually. So Man United four, Newcastle one. Ronnie was back with a bang, jobber. Two minutes on the clock, and then you're done. Go. Oh no! Look, I want. I've been through a whirlwind of emotions this week, so I want to know how you boys felt. Like, how did you feel when Ronaldo walked out on the pitch? Like, it was just absolutely awe-inspiring. I got a text from a friend who's a Liverpool fan, and he was like, "I couldn't Josh. help but be happy." No, I've got more Liverpool fans than just Josh. Um, <laughs> that wasn't uh, my. Words. I couldn't help to be happy. <laughs> To see Ronaldo going out in front of a full Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah I, it was um, good to see. You go, Barn. You go, Josh. There you go. Oh, all right. Yeah, it was good to. It was good to see. Like, it was glad that it happened in front of a full Old Trafford. It wasn't like last season when there was no one there. But I was like very keenly watching Ronaldo because I was just watching the Optus Sport player cam. I wasn't watching Naturally. the game at all. I was just watching the Ronaldo player cam. That's all I wanted to watch. We had the, we had the option doing that, and I could not think of anything worse. <laughs> well, it wasn't good coverage, trust him. me. We looked at his stats at halftime um, and he covered uh, 4.6 kilometers inside the first half and seven sprints. So, yeah, I mean, you take out the goal, um, he's not doing a lot else, which is I think some of the people, critics who were, um, you know, criticizing the signing and, and questioning whether that is the best move for United, uh, like that's what they point to um, when things don't go well. So, yeah, I think in terms of that, um, play cam, you're not going to get a lot of action, but I just think it's just such a. It was just so nice to see him back there in the prem, um, and yeah, I just like it was so obvious that he was going to deliver goals, right? Like you just you just knew. Like I know, job you spoke about whether he was actually going to start or not. I was pretty confident he was going to start, especially when he left Portugal camp early, um, and then as, as soon as he was starting, like he was going to score goals, and and sure enough, he delivered like he always does. So just on those two goals, because I know obviously the first half was quite like sort of a sturgeon affair, pretty much what you'd expect from Newcastle anyway. But then just before halftime, like that is the difference. Like he followed a shot in because he's like, he's like, I want to score a goal. Like just a simple thing like that. You see Cavani do it and you get really excited when he does as well. But it was just like a reckless abandonment because he wants to score a goal. And then the second goal for him, again, both of those goals, I think maybe Cavani scores the first, but he doesn't score the second. Like, so he's already done exactly what you thought he'd do because those two goals that he scored would just go goals that only in that squad he would score. No one else would. He's, um, his first touch for um, the second goal, like Luke Shaw um, rolled it into him. Yeah, just on his right foot, just pushed it out in front of himself. And then, yeah, from there, from there he's just got to really hit the target. Um, and he's just gone with power and just blasted it um, straight through uh, Freddie Woodman. Strong name. Yeah, strong keeper. Um, I think uh, if he had scored a hat trick and got a header, it would have been like a like a perfect Ronaldo set of goals. Like the the follow in, everyone stood still. He but he's Johnny on the spot, scores a tap in. Uh, the the classic through ball, outpaces, perfect touch, perfect finish. And then if you scored a header, it's like a classic perfect Ronaldo hat trick. But uh, overall, hat trick. Yeah, I was I, I, I like Ronaldo, so it was like as much as I hate Manchester United, it was it was still a nice thing to see. It was kind of a cool atmosphere. Um, Overall, I'll, I'll say. When, um, after you got those first two goals, the subs board came out. Lingard was warming up at 66 minutes. And then Job was like, oh, I think they're going to take him off and, um, and, and rest him. You know, he's done the damage and stuff. I was like, there's no way Big Fella's coming off. He's looking for a hat trick. Sure enough, the board comes up. And um, I think Sancho came off from that. And they made two late subs as well. And at that point, it was 85th minute, job done. I was thinking, yeah, all right, they probably put him in the rack now. But no. Nah. Bruno gets the hook after playing really, really well, but his um, performance gets swept under the rug. 
Um, and and who else came off? Oh, Greenwood came off at eighty uh, five minutes as well. Because I mean, yeah, you got to rest those twenty one year olds. Yeah, exactly. Just imagine um, Ollie sort of looking over to Ronaldo, being like, "You're right," and he goes, "Yeah, take off Mason." Yeah, like he just <laughs> signals the number of the player that's meant to come off, or or Ollie looks over and he just gives him like a subtle little. Yeah. shake like not now Bruno, he, he looks tired i'm not sure he's going to deliver a cross for me to score like <laughs> bruno like has barely been subbed off in his whole united career and then ronaldo rocks up first game bruno's getting subbed off he must be thinking what the fuck's going on here but, but th- bruno had some time to do something else sam didn't he yeah i was gonna say outside, outside, of, outside of ronaldo there were other things going on in this game so bruno picks up the ball in the middle and hits an absolute worldie top Top left corner, I believe, and they just curled away from the keeper. That was unreal, and my fantasy team was loving that. But also <laughs> want to touch on the other team that was in this game, Newcastle, because I thought the first half, um, ASM and uh, Almiron were actually causing a lot of problems for United on the counter, and yeah. they were like really like got him in, got, had some good chances there, and with maybe like a, just a bit more of a cool-headed finish, they could have actually nicked more than the one goal they got with uh, Mankio towards the end of that half. Yeah, I, I thought Almiron was really, really good. He looked so dangerous. He was like mm. fast um, and like really direct as well. Like he, when he picked up the ball, he just went at the United defense, which is what which is what they've got to do. I think. I think as soon as the ball turned over, because United was so um, so stretched and so far forward, you know, kicking the left back on, kicking the right back on. Um, they, they sort of played with um, Pogba there, but he's never going to sit as deep as, as someone like uh, Freddie Boy or um, McTominay is. So, yeah, they're a little bit exposed. So I think that's what they had to do, they had to get at them and, and go, and, and that's what they got their goal from. But, yeah, I thought Almiron was good, um, nice and brave and, and worked really hard. And um, ASM, I mean, he always looks he always looks like dangerous, but at the same time, I think he can have like a bit more like um, – like finesse to his game or just stay a little bit calmer in certain situations and make different decisions. Even the goal that he laid off, I'm not sure that was his first instinct. This first touch sort of like got away from him and then he was like, oh, okay, I might touch it down and, and lay it in. So, yeah, I thought um, Newcastle were brave, unlucky to lose it in the end, but they're not going to be judged against um, games against Manchester United. No, nah, not with Ronnie returning as well. Like it was set in the stars that United would win. But... Um... Uh, I think as well, if they have um, like ASMs are very much like a Dharma Traore. I can get in some really good positions, but then just sort of a rush of blood to the head and just sort of doesn't make the best decision. But I think if they have Callum Wilson up front, they, they could potentially have got another goal there. Like he's that guy they need up there as a focal point for them to put all that good work into who can finish it off for them. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, as as you said, Sean, this isn't the game they'll be judged on. Um, but Callum Wilson will be a good in, and they'll cause other teams problems with, like, how simple they play. Um, just want to get everyone's thoughts on the performance of Jaden Sancho. So, obviously, he cost a pretty penny. Pretty, like, a pretty slow start, and he was okay on the weekend, but it probably not hitting the heights you'd hoped. I have not yet been sold on him for his price tag. I think he's a good player, but I haven't seen anything that's, like, that he does exceptionally better than anybody else can, other people can do that to warrant that price tag and that that reputation that he has. If that you know, that makes sense, like he's a good dribbler and he seems quick enough, but he's not the best dribbler and he's not the fastest person and he doesn't have the best finishing. So, what's his shtick? <laughs> I think I just I, haven't watched I, enough of him. Maybe. Yeah. I, no, I agree with all that. Um, 
I suppose that's just the market and just the English British um, luxury tax um, on him, isn't it? But um, I think Joel was probably just a bit early um, to. to I'm not, no, I know you're not judging him, but like a bit early to say, um, yeah, whether that that's a bit too much. I think like if you if you're looking at his perspective, like he's a bit younger than um, most of um, Manchester United's signings, and if you look at the window that he come in. He's come in in a window where um, Varane and Ronaldo have been signed, so I think it, it, like it's probably a bit too much, you know. Like moving back to England, um, you know, you're supposed to be there and, and doing something, um, you know, huge for this club that you've gone gone to, and and all of a sudden they sign Ronaldo. So and so like what he thought he was going to do and who he thought he was going to play with has just completely changed. So yeah, I'd, you obviously you got to give him more time, but I, I think there's no he will inevitably come good. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I I uh, I agree. I think he's just working his way into the league and getting used to. Because like when he left, he I don't think he really played any Premier League games. Right, he might have come off the bench for a couple of games, but he had zero experience essentially in the Premier League. So I think he's just working his way back into the league and just getting used to the pace of it all, the physicality of it all. And yeah, like you could see flashes of sort of little bits of like class on the weekend when he would dri- drive the ball forward, dribble a bit. And I think once he understands the team a bit better, he'll start like doing that a bit more, especially like with Ronaldo's going to be sitting up front as striker. He's not going to be doing it from the other wing or anything. So if they're going to the wings, it's going to be going to his side and then he can start really driving that um, attack forward, which will be uh, exciting to also, see, I think. Also eight blokes in the box too on the weekend from Newcastle. So he can't really it, dribble. He can't there's dribble no, There's no space to dribble. Yeah, there's no space um, to beat a bloke there. Like We, we also tough. saw what uh, Tommy Took said about um, Sal as well for um, Chelsea. He was Brutal. like... Oh, Oh, I just thought I thought I could bring him in, and I thought I could start him, but he's clearly not up to the speed of the Premier League yet. So um, that's that's my fault. So I mean, like that's Tommy Tuke's um, just acknowledging that like someone of the quality of Sal can't just you know leave um, Atletico and just come straight in and play. So yeah, if it takes him some time, I'm sure it's going to take Sancho some time. So just humor me here quickly. So if I'm looking out for sparks and flashes from Sancho, what sort of player is he most similar to? Would you say in playing style? I should be keeping an eye out for. Like, is he going to be like, uh, like a, a messy ball on a string dribbler? Dri- like dribbles Jack a lot, yeah. Uh, yeah, he dribbles a lot. Like he he was way ahead of everyone else in the dribbling stats last year in the Bundesliga. Oh, last few okay. years. So like, kinda, did we get into the byline like, like Sterling? No, nah, yeah, kind of like Wolf Zaha, but like less tricky mm. and a little bit more direct. But he's like he's silky skills. He's better when, um, say, if the like at Dortmund he was used to the wing back wrapping around him. Mm-hmm. Luke Shaw kind of does that, but he kind of doesn't. And you don't really get the space against those small teams to do that. So he used to do that and he'd get the space and he'd cut in off the wing and he linked up yep. really well with Haaland. So he's kind of like a, yeah, kind of like a bit of a Zaha Sterling mashup. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And, I can picture and, that. And, and he'll drop back deep to pick up the ball and start yeah. the attack he, 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 as yeah. well. And that's what separates him from um, Grealish. Like you see Grealish, he normally does all his stuff in in the front third. Like he'll get on the ball in the front third, whereas, um, yeah, Sancho will come a little bit deeper and pick it up. I think you'll see Sancho play and do a lot better um, when we go to the Champions League because he's going to play against bigger teams that are going to come at United. And when they're at United, there's more space for him to dribble. As Job said, when they played Newcastle, they just played like a low block, right? And we're going to dribble. there's There's nowhere to go. So. No, yeah, so I was sort of base, basing that off like stuff I'd seen at Dortmund that too. I just didn't know what I was looking out for. But no, it's good good to know. Um, look forward to seeing some more. Alrighty. Let's move on to the next one we've got here. That's Leicester City nil, Man City 1. Uh, it was a very good game. Um, lots of chances flying at both ends. But unfortunately, uh, 
for Shauno. Leicester couldn't hold out and Man City nicked one sort of uh, midway through the second half. Shauno, what did you think of the performance and was it just uh, Man City just a bit better on the day? Yeah, well, I think this is like, it's a bit feels a bit unusual actually because Leicester actually played um, better in this game than they have all season. So this is the best performance out of, out of all the games um, so far. It's just a pity that it come against um, Man City where, as you say, I think they were just a touch too good cutting edge. Both teams had some good chances. I mean, Vardy had a, a dislike goal, which they don't really show that, you know, the lines of the um, of the offsides. But, I mean, he must be an offside by, like, just a bootlace. Like, it was it was, it was was tight. It was pretty it, tight. Like, because oh. that line, you're sort of looking at it, you're like, mm, yeah, I can just see it. But, God, it's like the linesman did well to call it straight away, like, after the goal winning. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought, I thought that was um, yeah, that was a little bit unlucky. Um, I've, I've seen them given um, this year. Leicester went with a back four, um, and it was nice to see uh, Bertrude get his uh, get his first start. But I just think the difference was um, City's quality in the end. They had a little bit of cutting edge that um, Leicester Leicester lacked. But I mean, a draw would have been a fair result too. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you there, Sean. I think Leicester was surprisingly competitive in this game for me. I think um, City obviously had most of the, the possession, but not as dominant in that res- respect as I thought they might have been. And the chances that Leicester had were like fairly good chances. I know the stats; it's like twenty-five shots to City and six to, to Leicester, but the shots that weren't on target were still the stats misleading. If that makes sense, like they were good chances. I think so probably a fair result in the end but it also wouldn't have been super unfair if, if Le- Leicester had a nicked one and made Man City work a bit harder for for the win it's it's probably the most stretched I've seen um Man City this season mm. like I know they lost to Spurs but um Spurs just punched them and got got through on a couple of instances but if you watch that game like Man City just controlled the whole game whereas this is I think um Leicester made Man City feel uncomfortable for like periods of the game yeah. Um, and 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 look dangerous, which other teams have not done to them um, thus far this season. Yeah, that's the way. Both teams should have had it. a goal. Mm. Yeah, both teams should have had a goal like in the first ten minutes of the game as well. Like, there were two really good chances at either end, which was unfortunate that uh, either team couldn't finish them. But uh, yeah, it was um, it was like I said, electrifying game. Good to see uh, Johnny Evans back on the field in, in the second half. I believe he came. Who did he come on for, Shawnee? Vestergaard, he come off of Vestergaard. Okay, yeah, yeah Vestergaard. Yeah, so it was good to see him back on the field. So do you reckon he's still a couple more games away from starting? Yeah, he's a couple more games away from starting. And the problem with Vestergaard and the reason he come off is because he's not ready either. So he only had 60 minutes in him. Johnny only had 30 minutes in him. So I think that was already a predetermined <laughs> sub to him, say yeah. Vestergaard's like, I've got 60 in me. Johnny's like, I've got 30. I'm like, we'll, we'll patch sure. together a centre-back team. How many good minutes does Sionchu have nowadays in him? Well, I thought he was all right <laughs> on, on the field on, on the weekend. Actually, um, I know he's he's just had some absolute howlers for Leicester and then for Turkey as well. I don't watch the Turkey games as closely, but um, my sources tell me um, good dark horse. That, yeah, he had a, he had a stinker there as well. Um, so yeah, I thought he was okay. Um, a little bit unlucky on the goal, I think. Like he got blasted at him from what twenty one yards, and um, yeah, it gets a tough deflection. The commentators were pretty critical. Ivan him on the goal, which I was kind of like, yeah, it's pretty, it's a li- maybe a little unfair. Like, yeah, like you say, he's got blasts at him. Like, hasn't had much time to think. He's just sort of chucked a body part at it and it fell pretty nicely to Bernardo yeah. Silva. But he did get sat on his ass by uh, Silva in the first half. 
he got absolutely done. Yeah, that could have been a goal too, was it? Couldn't it? That was quite yeah. a chance. But just that, interesting like, to watch. He's not the only player still was going to do that to this season. Yeah. No, 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 he's not. It's, it's just it's, the it's, easiest. That's, that's what I feel like with Sioinchi. You know, it's, it's like he's not necessarily like playing that badly, but just trouble finds him. Feed as fast as Phil Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Get on his social media and feed it to him as well. Oh, I already have, mate. He blocked me. I think, but I think as well the reason it was only one nil is because both keepers had a like a really good game. Yeah. So he made some big saves, especially Schmeichel made some like really good saves. Um, yeah, really d- despite um, Edison being suspended, he played, so that was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we got a kick to the face for it, so he deserved it. But uh, anyway. Not anymore on that one. We'll move on to the next one. And Josh was buzzing about this one. Liverpool three, Leeds nil. So let's forget everything else about the game. First things first, was it a <laughs> oh, red? No. Oh, no. I knew we'd, we'd no, have to get to okay, this. Let's go, let's, let's, go, let's, go, let's go around the pod. Sean O, was it a red? No, not a red. Oh, I think I said um, when I didn't have a hot mic in front of me that um, <laughs> I think they punished the outcome, not the action. Yep. I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't it, disagree I, I with that. that. I don't disagree with that, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because the whole point that fouls are introduced into sport cards, yellow cards, is to prevent horrific injuries. So we referenced the Sun one, and that was probably a slightly worse tackle because it was more lunging from behind. But I think as a player, as soon as you take both feet off the ground and lunge to a tackle, mind you, I thought it was he did all he really could. It was a good technique in the tackle. He sort of hooked that classic hook the ball out sort of thing, but his momentum, his body landing on the ankle from him lunging off the ground, you take that risk into your own hands of, if I snap this guy's ankle in half, I might get in trouble for it. And I think that's that's why they, they're in their do, right mind to I punish it. I do that standing up. Like, you know <laughs> what, what you mean? mean? Like, I could comfortably yeah, yeah. do that standing up. Like, I I, it, I don't think it, like, it wasn't uh, But it was the contact dangerous. that made the injury. Yeah. Yeah, but, I know, like but that, they that, obviously have rules around it. Yeah, so. but the contact's sort of inevitable. Like, I've had a, I had a really good look at it this afternoon, and I just don't think it was a good card. <laughs> Um, I, I was looking for like different angles on Reddit oh. and just trying to find like the whole. Was there but some? I just, I just couldn't. Yeah, but I couldn't. I couldn't talk myself into saying it was a red card. Like it was, it was not the worst tackle I've ever seen. And like those weird ways you fall, like you can do that jumping for a header and stuff like that. Like yeah, anything yeah. can happen. And I think if you're punishing the outcome, it's too late. Like I think it's I mean? only like punishing it, the outcome. I think if if say you go two players go for a header and you land on someone's ankle and do that same injury, it's fine. But I think when you no matter how good the technique or the proper sort of accidental nature of it, if you lunge at a player two feet off the ground, no matter how, what party body hits them or how you end up falling, you've taken that risk saying, okay, I'm doing a relatively reckless, rather controlled still tackle, but I run the risk of if I hurt this person, I could get in a lot of trouble. But It's I, like shooting a gun. You know, yeah, go but on. that's like someone running past you and you pull their shirt back, um, which everyone's done who's ever played football. But what happens if that person then, oh, you pull their shirt back, they fall over, put their arm down, and their elbow goes compound fracture through the skin? They like, probably did, give a red card. No, th- and that's but that's absolute bollocks because everyone's pulling everyone's shirt the whole time. I just don't think you can. It's like me going into a tackle and then someone shattering their shin, and then and so I've got a red card. Like what depends on how you go on the tackle though. I think. Well, I'm just swinging for a normal tackle like every other tackle I've ever done in my whole That'd life. Be... That happens. That's probably happened 50 times in this game. Probably going to happen another 50 times on the other side of this tackle. But that guy shatters his shin. 
And so now I'm suspended. It doesn't make if any sense. If you lunge two feet off the ground, I think you, you put yourself in that position to risk getting sent off. But I haven't something... lunged. I'm saying a normal tackle. No, yeah. Maybe it wouldn't shin. be then. I think it's. Be... I think it, I think they are punishing the outcome. Like it wouldn't be a red card without the outcome. Obviously, I, that's yeah. not a bad tackle. Like if he just lands on his foot, Harvey and gets the ball, gets up, no worries. But just because he lands on his foot, traps it, and dislocates the ankle. Yeah, um, but that's like sort of, he's out of control. If that makes sense. But you've seen you've seen two people slide into a tackle before, and they 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 collide shins. One mm. guy's one guy has drinks milk, does prehab, does rehab, <laughs> and he's fine. The other guy, you know, doesn't is not a full professional. Does not really in the gym early. Not doing the extra stuff. Not doing ankle stabilization stuff. And his his ankle goes to pot. And then you're like, well, that's yeah, a red card for you. You've missed four weeks. And he's like, what for? For doing my mm. rehab and prehab. It's just I don't I don't like. I don't like yeah, punishing the outcome. The, I'm not 100. percent Yeah, you go, Barn. The, the, te- the technique was was like almost perfect. Yeah, it's the all problem, he could do. The yeah. problem is is that he did get too close to him, and his left knee landed into the into um into Elliot's Harvey, ankle. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's which, a foul. Which, which, well, yeah, but if you go in behind like that on someone's ankle, like I, I'm not saying like because he broke it, it like you could. You could take. I think you could technically give a red for that tackle. You could not. Uh, I don't think you could. I don't agree with that. Without, very, without the outcome, you could not give that a red card. No, I agree. I would, you without the outcome, that's yellow. not a card. Yeah, the, I agree. That, a similar tackle happened to um, Mane just after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't agree that. I 100% agree that unless it's that outcome, it's not a red card. 100%. It's play on. But because of the outcome, they've obviously got a rule in place because there's no way VAR didn't look at that a bunch of times and then decide. Yeah, no, but yeah. I don't know if that I don't know if that's a good enough reason for the red card. Like, cause I just feel like the people in VAR make some really funny yeah, decisions. Yeah, but it must, there must be and you some watch, rule. You watch like these really fantastic athletes moving at high speeds in the slowest motion, and then you're like, "That's the right call." And I'm like, "Well, potentially, you know, watching it in slow mo doesn't really no. give the context or the the whole story." No, I think it's more. They probably. It seems like they must. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it either, but they must have some rule around. Um, Horrific, like horrific injuries like that, and and being basically almost always a red card if there's some like yeah, I, non non completely accidental. Yeah, yeah. I'm just it I'm was just harsh. Not don't sold, get me wrong. And I feel I feel like there's like there is an element of panic in those types of decisions. The same with the Sun and the Gomez one. I feel like there was like an element of panic from VAR. That one was worse. Panic from the referee where they're like, oh my god, look at this injury. This must have been terrible. When you look back and you're like, well. It, like the Sun one wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as it was made out to be. And I feel like yeah, yeah. it's the same circumstance here where everyone's like, oh, Elliot, this is extremely sad. Feel really sorry for him. But in every other football game you'll see this year, that tackle will occur and it'll get a yellow, maybe get a yellow card. It might not even. Hmm. It'd be interesting to look. I'd love to, after this, like look at what the reasoning behind the red card was. Because I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they have some, you know, there was some explanation. I wonder, I'd yeah. like to see it and see what, if it makes sense or. Because I yeah I'm I'm kind of on the fence on this one. Like as a Liverpool yeah. supporter, I'm frustrated and, and angry, and I want to see him get red carded, but not because of the tackle, because of the outcome, like you said. So yeah, yeah. And, but, and no one wants to see a good young player rubbed out of the game for a long time. But I don't yeah. think the intent wasn't there for me for something bad to happen. Like that was never in, never crossed yeah, no, his mind. No. I, no. I just don't think the rules should change. Like if he slides in like that, and then um, Javier falls over, and then pops back up, and then um, a free kick's given, the the rule shouldn't change. Do you know what I mean? You change. I don't think like the rule the, has still changed. Made, I think that is the rule. He's still obviously he's, somewhere. There's some rule about 
that injury, the injuries. I'd say, yeah, obviously, that we just don't know. Yeah, obviously, but I'm saying that um, that that I don't like that they're changing the rules of football depending on what's happened next. Like, if mm. he's made a bad decision and he's dived in the air with his leg, and you're not allowed to do that, then punish it. But um, if do you know what I mean? That's where his responsibility stops. There, I just don't think you can just keep going to say. Oh yeah, so he broke this, so therefore, yeah, suspension. He's out for a month, so therefore, your suspension's probably not. like if you just like blindly swing a baseball bat in a crowd of people, you don't hit anyone. It's like yeah, whatever. If you clip <laughs> someone in the back of the head and kill them, <laughs> then you go to jail. Maybe that's a similar comparison. You, you, you've <laughs> got <laughs> right. That doesn't stop the top of my head. That's a horrible over dramatization. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna get us back on because um. I don't think this red card impacted the result at all because in the first no. half, I thought Liverpool were absolutely fantastic and a class above. And I think Leeds United can thank their lucky stars they didn't lose by more because um, Mo Salah is starting to look very ominous uh, with Alexander Arnold. That combination was just absolutely brilliant in this game. Mm. If Mane yeah, can hit a target on goal, if Mane could hit the target, there'd be a lot more goals flying in as well. I love they, the... they, they were really good, but Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. the tantrum that uh, Salah threw when um, when Matt did one <laughs> yeah, the goal. His goal. Yeah, and then and then he's like, "Oh, actually, I'm on here." And then went, and then everything was okay. Yeah, what a run forward such by Matt as well. That was such a likes to get such forward. a bomb on from a defender. It's it's good. Good. It also really a quality good. moment in the second half where Mane should have squared it up to Salah and Salah cracked it. But there was a really good tackle from I think it was the same player that was sent off to to deny Liverpool a goal. Yep, I remember seeing that. Yeah, that I was, thought that yeah, could that have been so a, that good. could have been a real turning point in that game if everything hadn't gone pear shaped for him because that was just such an amazing effort. Mm, I think. Yeah, I no. think the game could have been completely different if they had scored that first chance they had in the, the fifth or fourth. Oh, minute. Rodrigo, like, oh, what's he, I was what's like, he doing? Oh, here we that's go. a striker out of confidence. That's yeah, that's bad. That was so bad. Boy, so that was Luke a Luke going off the knee at the end of the second <laughs> half yeah. on the first yeah. half. I don't want to. How did he hit? How did he hit that the way that he did? No, he such power too. <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing. But yeah, like we like we mentioned, it was a pretty straightforward result for Liverpool in the end. They they're looking pretty good at the moment. Good to see Thiago back in the squad. Uh, especially from the start of a game Jeez, instead of coming good. on as a sub. Yeah, he looks he looks real nice out and there. Fabinho, Rolls Royce. Absolutely running oh, yeah. things. Fabinho, yeah. you gotta have him in there. Um alrighty, so the last thing we want to quickly touch on. Is uh, Chelsea three, Aston Villa nil. This was the uh, Lukaku and Kovacic show for me. This one, it was a very impressive result again from Chelsea. Jobber, you see it the same way? Uh, I think it's an impressive result, but I think the result doesn't tell the story. I thought outside of a couple of bad defensive errors, so that would be Tyro and Mings being the obvious one, and a fantastic ball from Kovacic. Um, Aston Villa were really good. Yeah. The they second, like, ha- the second half really, of the first yeah. half, really good, yeah. Yep, very impressive. And they had, they had some chances, not, but I think that first moment from Kovacevic through to Lukaku for that first goal was just phenomenal. And Lukaku was the difference in this game, the fact that he can just, when they need a goal, he just came up with it. But Villa, that was, I think that was Villa's best performance of the season by far. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty good from Villa, even though it was, that was a three 0 loss. But um, on Kovacic, they uh, it's a quote came out in, in this week from uh, I can't remember it was another one of the players in the team who um, said they love playing with Kovacic because whenever they're down, he's the first player to go get the ball and demand the ball and then drive it forward. And you can see that in the way he plays because he picks it up deep and just drives. He dribble past two and then lay a ball, which is exactly what he did for Lukaku goal. And he does it all the time. So he's a bit underrated, I think, in that Chelsea squad. Um, and probably unlucky that he's in a team with uh, Jorginho and Kante. 
Yeah, he's just got so many um, stars around him, though, so mm. it is hard to get him in the team every week. But, like, we've all played football. You, you know those guys when um, your team's under the pump who have got, like, a bit of character about them who say, no, like, give it here, I'll, I'll fix it or I'll put my foot on the ball and stay calm or, or I'll take a hit or whatever needs to be done. Um, job, just on Tyro Mings, um, you know how I peruse social media and scoop up all the good tidbits. Um, <laughs> Mingsy put this on his Instagram after, which uh, really oh, gave no. me a chuckle. So this is post-game. Timing of the second goal yesterday was a real killer. I apologize to my teammates, fans, for this crap pass. I actually think we played really well yesterday too, which makes this even more painful. He's I mean, right. He yeah, 100% he, cost them that game. I wouldn't yeah. even know that. Yeah, because it was it was like 46th or 7th minute, wasn't it? Like two minutes into the second half, they yeah, scored. And that's after Conta had performed also a quite miraculous goal line clearance from the corner as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the right. Bar. Like, so they were hanging in there and it was just a horrible mistake. Unlucky for him. Yeah, you Unlucky for Villa. And then and then Chelsea obviously ran out winners. Lukaku got a double, which again, good for my fantasy team. That was a good pickup by me. Um, but Mendy made some good saves as well. And uh, probably one notable player from Chelsea who didn't have a good game was Saul, who got dragged at halftime, like we already <laughs> mentioned, and was rinsed in the media by his coach as well he was pulling no punches and he's he's not up to the pace he's not 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 good enough yet you need to give him some time um but he also did take ownership of it too and said it was my mistake so it was uh quite frank but uh nice to hear do you think uh Sol gets a, like makes a comeback or does he bounce back from this or is he, his confidence too shot after just being rinsed by the entire country and probably people back home so I think with his previous manager being Diego Simeone, I'm going to back him. I'm going to back him to bounce back. I reckon he would have seen one or two tantrums in his time, which will prepare him for this. Yeah. I, th- I think. I think Tuchel's like because Tuchel's a bit of an odd bastard. Like yeah, he's, he's a bit a, quirky. Um, yeah. So I think he's his messaging there is like that's not on you, that's on me. So I think he's tried to like he's tried to do the right thing by the player, but just the way he said it to everyone who speaks English as a first language, you're like. He's digging him out there. <laughs> like, yeah. He's saying like, he's sort of saying, I've put you in a bad situation. Yeah. So I apologize. This is yeah, on yeah. me, not you. Yeah. But I think um, Sal walking off the uh, field, he would know that he hasn't had the best game. He'd be sitting there and then he'd be expecting something from Tommy Tukes. And then afterwards, after it's all said and done, I think he's probably sitting there going, oh, is that it? Is that all you got? Like I'm used to, I'm, I'm used to get absolutely served by <laughs> Simeone. giving him a right yeah. <laughs> He goes, I presume I'll be in early for the sprints, uh, Thomas. And he's like, no, it's fine. Yeah, he goes, come over on a plane, don't on. worry. Oh, okay. So um, I get uh, 100 lashes, right? No, no. Plan. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. So good, good win for Chelsea. Um, and we'll just touch on the last few games that we haven't talked about yet. So Watford Wolves. Wolves won 2-0. Uh, we called it on the pod. We said they'd finally click and they finally have a couple of goals there for them, which is good. Unfortunately, Traore couldn't get one for us, so that's disappointing. Worst own goal I've ever seen in that game, just by the way. Oh, I don't remember that one. What but have got some problems, don't they? Yeah. Oh, defensively. It no, was a, uh, a low down uh, free header in the six-yard box by the defender. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do remember that. That was bad. Yeah. All righty. Uh, next one we've got Brighton-Brentford. So Brighton went away 1-0. Uh, another good win for them and takes them up to fifth, I believe, on the table. So a um, good, strong start to the season for them. And the other game was Southampton-West Ham, which was a nil-all draw. Um, and big noti- notable event from that game was Antonio getting a red in injury time. I mean, dumb, pretty dumb, pretty dumb. But uh, yeah. player of the month, didn't it? No, nah, he got that wrapped up before he got the red. So or next player, next month, I mean. 
Oh, yeah. So, he'll, come out, he'll come out and score, score six games in three and he'll get it again. The worst part of this for me was that the referee didn't play advantage. The Southampton were in 100%. It was put through on halfway, no one out in front of him, and the ref pulled it back for a second yellow. Like, give it after, mate. Like, it was that was the worst part for me, but yeah. Hasn't played FIFA enough. <laughs> All righty. Uh, I think Jobber's going to touch on the multi result and how that went. Uh, disastrous, Sam. It, the, the multi echoed the performance of Tottenham because that was the first leg. Um, so they started poorly and it stayed poor. Thanks, Spurs. Thank you a lot. Thanks, Spurs. So we're getting Dollar Don back this Thursday or what? Might yeah, have to. He'll, he'll have to come back, but I don't think Nuno will be invited on the pod anytime soon. Oh, no, yeah, fair. He'll he, he come back. All right, I think we I think we got some uh, UCL fixtures happening this week. Is it the first match day this week? Mm-hmm. It's first match day, match day number day, one, yeah, so Get excited. Get around it. There's lots of good games coming Coming on. Uh, Jobba, where can they catch us? Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, email is footballplaydonpaper.gmail.com, Instagram football on pods, Facebook at football played on paper, and Twitter is at football on pods as well. Cheers, very, boys. Very good. We'll talk to everyone Thursday. Enjoy the football. Some Man City fan apparently slugged him. Oh, I like Jeremy. Shit, you're old. It was a direct attack at you. Like, you look every bit 30, huh? He'll be killed by a number of men in the dugout. Watch, watch, rumbles on. Pina colada. Large one. <laughs> <laughs>